Almighty God. We're so thankful that we're not here as part of a community service or social club, but we're here in awe and worship of you. We're here to worship you, to express our gratitude to you, to sit at your feet as you teach us from your life-giving word. We pray that our hearts could be prepared to set aside the distractions, the weariness that we can hear and let your spirit work in us unhindered. And Lord, with all the noise and commotion and adrenaline going around us, we pray that we could hold on to these things. We could ponder them in our hearts, even as Mary did, and allow it to change us in a permanent life-changing, lasting way. We ask for you to speak to us as only you can. Lord, you know the needs. You know the needs of even those who cannot gather with us this morning. We're mindful of those who are ill and are infirm and are unable to come for various reasons. We ask that your blessing go out to them and they also would feel the warmth of your presence. And Lord, they would feel united. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. invite you to turn with me this morning to the Gospel of Luke, the very first chapter, Luke chapter 1. Let's begin reading from verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. And in the sixth month, that's the sixth month of uh, Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shall and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob, Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? 
And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake with a loud voice and said, Blessed are thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall also be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He that showed strength with his arm, he, he hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's kneel to pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank thee for this opportunity we have this morning to gather in thy house to worship thee. We thank thee most of all for thy Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, sent into this world not as a spirit, not as an angel, not as some kind of a heavenly being, but as a little baby. A precious little baby who would grow to be a man, who would teach us what the Father is like, and then would show thy great love for us in sacrificing his own life on our behalf. And not only that, but then showing how the path to victory was now open for us over sin and the grave by resurrecting. And so this morning, we can rejoice in the light of thy son, knowing that sin 
and the grave has been defeated and the way into life everlasting is now open for all who would believe. Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is. What an indescribable wonder it is when we consider these things. Even saying them, the words do not seem sufficient. But Heavenly Father, we look forward to that day when we will meet Thee in courts of glory and praise Thee for an eternity, experience Thee in Thy fullness, and glorify Thee for the ages to come. But now, Heavenly Father, we are still in these bodies of flesh. We are still subject to corruption. This world is full of pain and sorrow and sickness and misery. And though there are many good things and beautiful things and nice things in this world, yet we see the effect of sin, Heavenly Father. And so now we also want to pray for those that are experiencing the, the frailty of the flesh, those that are uh, dealing with sickness, uh, perhaps even terminal conditions, those that are uh, on, on sick beds, those who are aged and can no longer do and go as they would like to. Heavenly Father, we want to lift them up in prayer unto Thee. We want to especially remember those that are going through particularly trying circumstances. Our sister Olga Ordog, we're mindful of her uh, treatments now and the, the pain and difficulty she's going through. Heavenly Father, help her to feel thy nearness and to know that there are those, her brothers and sisters, who are thinking of her and praying for her and lifting her up unto thee. We ask for a healing on, on her behalf, Heavenly Father, but we know that thy will and thy way is best, and so we depend on thee because we know thou dost love her more than uh, we do, and so we will trust thy Father heart in these things. We're mindful of young Jacob Weinhardt as well and his dangerous health condition. We know that thou art able also to confound the doctors and to provide healing, but Heavenly Father, again, we trust thee. We know that thy wisdom is higher than ours, thy love is deeper than ours, and so we bow our knees before thee, even in these requests. We want to also pray for those who are preaching thy word through difficult circumstances, those that perhaps are even hazarding their lives for the sake of the gospel. Grant them courage, Heavenly Father. Grant them steadfastness of faith that they may continue to do those things that please thee and to spread the, the word of thy kingdom until thou wilt return. Be with those that are gathered now in Ancaster as well this morning to hear the word of God and to listen to uh, praises sung unto thy name. We want to especially pray for those that may be hearing this gospel message for the first time, friends or coworkers, those who have come from the neighborhood perhaps to hear about this babe that was born in a manger who became a man who suffered and died in their place. Heavenly Father, let thy word go forth in power but in simplicity that the world may know. We pray these things now in the name of thy Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we commit this service now into thy keeping and to thy direction, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I have to confess I have not marveled enough at the miracle that we have 
read about this morning. Perhaps because historically uh, uh, Mary has been elevated out of her position as a, as a human vessel into something more, I have not fully thought and been like Mary and pondering these things in my heart. But I invite you this morning to, to join with me and to, to consider what God has done and what it was like to be that young, frightened teenager and to receive a heavenly visitor. What it would be like to be from a impoverished, nothing town and to have an angel appear to you and to tell you your life is going to change. That God has a tremendous purpose, one that is going to change everything for everybody. And you are the one he's going to choose. And you have a choice to believe that the promise and the vision of this angelic visitor would be greater than your appreciation of the risks and the disruption this would be to your life and goals and everything you've thought of to this point, would you believe? We know the risks to Mary as a, as a uh, engaged um, young teenager were great to be pregnant out of wedlock. She risked not only losing her espoused husband who would clearly see this as, you know, b betrayal. She not only risked social rejection from her town and everybody she knew, she actually risked death and stoning and all she had is the word of God to say, fear not. How does this relate to you and I? Does God come to us with a promise of purpose? of a plan from before the foundation of the earth for you. One that might threaten all your plans, but one that dwarfs your plans in its potential And we have a choice, like Mary, Elizabeth said to her, blessed is the one who has believed because there will be a performance
of the things she's been promised. To consider how this worked. Mary believed because she was familiar with the promise, with the prophecy. She clearly, in her response to Elizabeth, you know, proclaimed that, you know, this was a fulfillment, that he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, God's mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever, meaning she understood, even though she was a poor peasant from a backwoods town, she understood and remembered enough of the prophecy uh, that she's quoting Genesis and the promise that to Abraham that he is of his seed will bless all nations. And she talks of this overturning of all social structures that the rich are going to be sent away empty, the hungry would be filled. She could have responded and said, who am I? I am a poor teenage girl from a nothing town. Who, why should I? I'm not worthy. I am not prepared. I am not. But she didn't focus on herself. And her lack of ability. Jesus said in the opening words of his great Sermon on the Mount, bless it are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it is those of us who do not, like Paul, consider our credentials to have weight or make us worthy or help us in any way to consider that as garbage that are finally ready to let God use us. Now, now think about what happened here. Mary is told she's going to have a child without there being any man involved. She asked that one question of, you know, how is this possible? And God responds that the Holy Ghost would... Um, The Holy Ghost will come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, the whole, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. For with God nothing shall be impossible. I need to come to the point where I stop thinking about what I could possibly do and believe that with God nothing is impossible, that God could use even me in spite of me to accomplish his purpose in my life. I need to stop looking at the obstacles 
I mean, Mary could say, what, you're, you're, my son is going to overturn the Roman Empire? That, you know, our people have been fighting for hundreds of years and we're at such a disadvantage. This is, this is, I don't see how this is possible that, that my son could uh, restore the kingdom of David and that his kingdom would without end. We're, we're in a, we're under the heel of the Romans. We're powerless. We're being ground. And you and I might think, I live in a culture that is godless. Every time I dare speak up for God, I am going to be maybe not physically crucified, but I'll be canceled. I may not, you know, suffer the way that our Lord and Savior did, but for sure, I am going to be silenced violently, rapidly, vindictively. There's going to be a lot of hatred towards my, quote, hate, as I, out of love, share the gospel with those that are in need. We might be intimidated by what seems like a, a overwhelming advantage of the enemy that, that we, are, we are powerless. We are sheep among wolves. But that's exactly what Jesus said is going to be our goal, our modus operandi, our method to overturn the world is to be sheep among wolves. How does sheep, how do sheep overcome wolves? How do defenseless, uncunning animals overcome powerful, organized, hierarchical, um, menacing beasts like wolves that are, that are not only ferocious and fierce, but they collaborate. And sheep don't. They follow. How, how is this going to work? How is my little baby born in the backwoods of Nazareth, going to overturn the power structures that are overcome the known world around the Mediterranean. I don't get it. I don't see how to get from A to B. And why me? She's told by Simeon, a sword will pierce your heart also. This is not going to be easy. You are going to become vulnerable in the process. You're going to get hurt in the process. Does Mary have a role? Yes and no. Do you have a role in the plan God has to extend God's kingdom in your corner? What role do you have and what role does God have in using you to change the power structures of your sphere of influence. So with Mary, did she create this baby in her womb? Was she involved in the miracle of new life 
God's life inside of her. She could not make it happen, but God chose to honor her will when she said, be it unto me, even as thou hast said. Behold the handmaid, handmaiden of the Lord. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word, is her response. There's a part of God's work that only God can do. But there's a part, someone had to nurture that baby. Someone had to provide. Someone had to protect that baby. Someone had to keep that baby from running under the horse's feet, from stepping in the fire, from being fed and warmed and clothed. And, and that took a lot of nurturing. In your life, it takes the Holy Spirit hovering as he did over the chaotic waters in Genesis 1, as he did, as he brought creation, the first creation, so the Holy Spirit has to be the one who brings new life where there was no life inside of you. That only God can do. And God can do in only those who recognize that they cannot do it. Who recognize that they are powerless. That they are the poor in spirit. That they are the hungry. They are the ones who have no power in themselves to effect this change. When you think, I can get out of this. I can overcome my addictions. I can come up with the moral strength to change my life and to be somebody that can, um, God can finally use to reach my corner. When you think you stand, the Bible says, take heed lest you fall. And we read in 1 Corinthians 1 that you know, God delights to use the poor to to overthrow the rich and the high and the mighty. And even here, he sends the rich away. Not because they are rich, not because they have stuff, but because they trust in that stuff. Abraham was rich, but he was willing to give away the most precious thing he had, even his own son, in obedience to God. So God does the impossible that you recognize as impossible when you believe in his promises in according to thy word. Not to your desires, not to your hopes, not to your vision, but to God's. Which is probably going to be very different. Mary had a vision for her life. I'm going to get married to Joseph. I'm going to have a lot of children. I'm going to be respected in my community. I'm going to be the wife of a craftsman. All those, all those had to be given up. The moment she says, behold the handmaid of the Lord. 
She was going to be despised. She was going to risk her relationship with Joseph. She was definitely going to lose the respect of her community. And she was going to not be known as a craftsman's wife, but the mother of a very controversial prophet. It was bringing her as much anger as solace. So we too, we have to choose God's plan or our plan. God's power or our power. God's purpose or our purpose. God's potential or ours. And when we trust in ours, when we trust in the things we cannot keep, our strength, our integrity, our power, our resources, our connections, our abilities, it's like the manna that they gathered and they held on to. I'm going to provide for tomorrow. I'm going to gather extra. And it was full of worms the next day. But when they trusted in God's provision day by day, they had sustenance that lasted them 40 years. But they had to depend on God every day for 40 years. And as we trust and depend on God, not just on that first day, not just at that beginning of our Christian walk, not just when we first experience God's glorious light dispelling the darkness as he did in, 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 in Galilee, as Isaiah prophesied, when he dispels the darkness in our heart. We need to continue, not just the first day, the first year, the first two years, but we need to continue to depend on God for God's provision to empower us for his purpose so it doesn't turn into worms and become corrupt as we shift from relying on God to relying on our own strength. Mary did that. And so, the promise became realized in her. And so we do call her blessed. And we do honor her not as someone who is the mother of God and somehow more divine, but as someone who exemplifies what it takes to depend on God and let God use you as a vessel and a potential that is not unreachable by any one of us. Each one of us could have God in us as Mary did, greater than Mary did. Mary, for nine months, had God in her as a child. You can have the Holy Spirit living in with you, within you, speaking to you, empowering you, using you to do greater things than the Lord has done, as John 12 promises us. You have that potential, but you have the same choice that Mary made. Your plan or his, your purpose or his, your power or his. And that choice 
needs to be made daily. And then God can come into your corner of the world. It's dark, oppressive, with all the corrupt power structures that make it seem impossible that anything good could come out of Nazareth or anything good can come out of southern Ontario or that anything good can come in this country where we see so much corruption and so much uh, abuse of power. But God in you can overthrow those things. Not as a wolf among wolves, but as a sheep among wolves. Not overcoming evil with evil and fear with fear and power with power. As that's all that this world sees as they try to see through everyone's motivation and why are you really doing this and what's really behind this and how are you trying to abuse your position to try to gain some personal advantage and when someone like the Lord Jesus comes into this world and he is not here for himself and he is here and he's sacrificing everything not gaining and acquiring stuff who's who has foxes have holes but he has no place to lay his heads not gaining personal advantage not becoming king when he's offered it, giving up his own life as well as his comfort and as well as, as we see someone doing good for no personal advantage, how do you see through that? What's in it for you? Why? And as we demonstrate that we trust in someone higher and we show love not because of what's in it for us, but because we have received freely and we freely give, then people don't know what box to put you in. They don't understand how to, how to explain you away as Jesus couldn't be explained away. And they have to start to think and ponder in their own heart. Maybe there is something higher and more that you are pointing to. It takes us becoming vulnerable takes us like Mary to embrace a path that is painful a path of trust a path of not relying on my strength but on God's for God's potential to be realized and for me to be a vulnerable as a sheep among wolves but to overcome because the very gates of hell cannot stand against the onslaught that the enemy's not prepared for. The enemy has, because in the hearts of every one of his captive servants, as we don't see the instruments of corruption as somehow being evil incarnate, because they are not. As we see them as captives, instead of seeing that soldier of Rome who is forcing me to go one mile as an instrument of oppression that I need to resist, and take out my anger on. Instead, I see him as a captive, as a cog, as someone who's being manipulated by power structures he doesn't understand. And as I show kindness and go the second mile with him, as I show him that people can be motivated by higher and more pure things, as I make him question, why are you doing this? And then I open him up to the God who's given me what I don't deserve. Because 
These evil people are not evil people. These people are not your enemies. These people are pawns. These people are prisoners of war. And the true enemy is the one who's pulling the strings. And you have a chance to take the very people that are being used against you and to draw them by love that everyone deep down wants. All right, I was just sharing with the young people this morning about, about Terry Hawkins, the one oppressor of my youth who beat me up on the way home from grade one, who stole stuff from my garage, who, who made my, in my mind, most patient father, who I've never seen upset, upset with all of his, his um, antics. But yet when he came through the doors, as he experienced the love of God in this midst, as he walked out and said, you know, he didn't get the gospel. He didn't understand his spiritual need. He didn't understand he was a sinner. But he understood that there was more love in this church than all those big churches out there. And he wanted to come back for that reason alone. Our weapon is love. Love makes us vulnerable. Love makes us like sheep among wolves. We can be taken advantage of and abused. But in the process, we make people think. And we process, we point to the source of all love. In the process, God's purpose and God is glorified. May we be like Mary. Behold the servant of the Lord. Be it unto me, according to your word. <clears throat> it's no wonder that the Christmas season is one that even the secular world has found room to celebrate. The message of hope that Christ brings the beautiful story about a young, oppressed couple and a miracle baby. The promises that were attached to him, they all sound wonderful. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Sounds like a slam dunk, doesn't it? Everything wonderful from here on out. But Christ didn't come just as a baby. That baby grew into a man. And that man said some things that maybe changed the tenor a little of what we just read. In the 19th chapter of this same gospel, Christ said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. 
And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man rule over us. He did return. He inherited that kingdom. And then the words were, But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring them hither and slay them before me. You see, Christ's kingdom will come. He will reign undisputed. And of his kingdom there will be no end. But will you have him reign over him? Will you have him reign over you now? I know these parables are, are accounts to illustrate usually one or two simple points, and you don't want to read too much into them. But I, I wonder if some that said, I will not have this man reign over me, later said, you know what? He's a good king. Maybe I should help his servants. And maybe some of that increase that those servants saw was due to the helping hands of others who changed their mind. We know that Saul was not always Paul, the preacher of the gospel. He thought to do things contrary to the name of Jesus. But now is the time of grace. Now minds can be changed. The outcome can be different for you. Christ will come. He will reign. But what will you do in the meantime? Will you bow the knee? Or will you send back the defiant answer, we will not have this man reign over us? The choice is ours today. This is, this is the mystery of our will and God's will. His will will be done. We know that. What will you do? That's the question. May the Lord add whatever was lacking to what was said, and may he dismiss us now with his blessing. This concludes our service.